Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture letter comes today to us from Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonia. Here with me now the words of the Lord. To the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for our sake, and you now became imitators of this and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you have become model to all believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned away from, God, from idols to God to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather in worship, during this hour as we shut out the distractions of the world, O Lord, may be reminded that you are our God and that we are your blessed people. May we open our ears that we would clearly hear your gentle whispers to our souls, but in hearing them, that we would have our lives transformed. So we would come away from this hour not just as hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. For all this we ask in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In post-World War II, Lutheran theologian and pastor Martin Niemöller penned this confessional. First they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out, for I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, for I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. But then they came for me, and there was no one else to speak for me. 
See, these words are a personal confession for his inaction during Nazi rule, and in many ways they acknowledge what Edmund Burke said centuries earlier, that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And these two words, these two pieces, what Edmund Burke said, but more importantly what Nehemiah wrote, they are reminded for us to do what Paul was commending the Thessalonians to do. They're reminded for us to carry our faith, to carry our practice of faith from the sanctuary, from worship, into the world around us. To make our work worship. And to let worship influence our work. See, Paul gives thanks to the church at Thessalonica because they had not only heard God's word from Paul and the other apostles, but they were convicted by it. It made a difference in their lives. It embedded deep in their souls and they changed from who they were. They adopted the life of a disciple and they did it in such a way that it became not only something that they mirrored, it became who they were. And so amidst of all the strife in their world and the culture of, and the clash of cultures, they became living models of God's faith, living models of God's love and of grace. The text records that the message rang out, it says. It rang out all across Macedonia and Acacia that all the world everywhere knew of the witness of this church, of the faithfulness of their living the gospel message of their turning away from idols and the devoting of their lives to the risen Christ. You see, the whole world knew of them. But see, the conviction of this text is very personal, I think, to us, especially to me and I think to anyone. Because the question that really comes from is, does the world know that we, does the world know that we, the people called Centenary United Methodist Church, that we are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ? Do we devote our lives to the teachings and the love of God? Do we actively serve the risen Christ? Is it evident to the world that we carry our practice of faith from our hour of worship and into the world? From the sanctuary into the marketplace, into the schools, into our neighborhoods, into our friend groups, do we carry our faith from this hour into everything that we do. See, if we're followers of Christ, if that's who we claim to be, then carrying our faith in the world is to be reminded that we follow the one who called us to say, come and follow me. But more importantly, we follow the one who stood in front of all the world and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It has anointed me to preach good news to the captives. to bring peace to the hearts of the poor, to the recovering of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. And see, it is in that vein that we must anchor the mission of Christ in our lives in the way we live and the way we act. We must approach life with our eyes wide open, our ears perked up, and our hearts finely tuned to the urgings of God's Spirit. With our eyes wide open, our ears listening intently, our heart looking so that when we see any one of God's children that is hurting, that we speak, 
that we act, that we protest, that we aid, that we fix and heal the wound of the world because that's what God demands of us. See, Martin Niemöller knew this. He understood this after the fact and let it not be said of us that we discovered that after the fact too. Let instead, let it be said for us that we will not let the hurts of the world go by unaddressed. So to carry our faith in the world, to not only follow the risen Christ, but it also means that we follow our baptismal vows, that we hold them very dear in our hearts and that we live them on our sleeves. Do you remember what they were? The first question is, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness and the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin? And we stood here or in some sanctuary before we were baptized and we said, we do. But then there was the second question. Do we resist evil and injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And again we said, we do. So let me tell you what that means. That means if we hold our baptismal vows at the highest of any vows that we take, that they are the most important because we declare ourselves as followers of the risen Christ, that means that when we are gathered with God's people, no matter where they might be, around the water cooler at work or in the coffee shop or on the playground or in the cafeteria or the locker room or at cocktail parties or in the classroom, that when someone speaks or someone acts or someone infers injustice or emotional, mental, physical, or relational harm to any one of God's children, whether they are present or not, that we must stand up and speak out. We are called by our baptismal vows alone to stand up and to speak out and to say enough. To say that's not right. To say that is against God's will for our world. Now we can say it that forcefully or we can do speaking the truth in love but nevertheless we must speak the truth. God calls us to do that. But in the midst of standing up to our baptismal vows and valuing each other, it also means that we must listen to each other. We talk a lot about differences of opinion that happen in the church and happen in the world around us. The differences of opinion help us paint the fabric that God wants for our world, and it's okay to have a difference of opinion. But what matters is that we listen to each other that when we're confronted with a different opinion, that we don't mow over someone and talk over them to shut them up, but instead that we sit back and listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, that we ask inquiring questions so that we understand where they're coming from, so that we make sure that everyone is heard in any meeting and in any gathering. When I think of this, I think of when I first came into ministry fresh out of seminary at 25 years old with a head full of knowledge and very little experience. I had that impetuousness of youth and inexperience and I wanted to take on the world and I read headlong into experienced clergy who had the hubris and experience of life and wisdom. And sometimes we found ourselves at loggerheads of an opinion, a way of doing things. But it was when we took the time to listen to each other. that the wisdom of their experience tempered the brashness of my inexperience. 
but the energy and excitement that I felt for the gospel reawakened their souls to the way the church might be in a new and modern era. And so we walked hand in hand, lifting each other up in, in lovely discussions, in faithful discussions in which we worked through the problems that we were facing at the time, helping each other along the journey. And I ask myself now that I've gone from that impetuousness of youth to maybe the arrogance of the hubris of wisdom and experience halfway through my career, and I think to myself, can I be like those who paved the way for me? And I think the question is true for all of us. No matter where we are on the spectrum of life, no matter where we are on our journey, can we pave the way for generations that are younger than ours? And listen to the experience of generations that are ahead of ours. I mean, there are six generations in this church, and we all have different life experiences and different perspectives. But what would happen if we listen to each other with loving respect? That we lift each other up and all of God's children, no matter our differences. You see, our baptismal vows call us to do that. But it's not enough to just anchor our lives on the mission of Christ it's not enough to anchor our lives on the baptismal vows that we say to carry our faith in the world is to be grounded in the one who unites us, not in that which divides us. Think about Jesus' ministry. What did he say to us? He said, love your God with all your heart and all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. Feed my sheep. When you do this unto the least of these, you do this unto me. When we, sit, when we anchor our lives in that, that brings about the unity that Paul writes about in the early church. He likened the early church to a body that said its members separate are useless, but together we can do great things. Same is true for us in our world. When we come together in the unity of community, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop the world from the power of the church when we're together. You see, the evil one wants to divide us because divided that we fall. The evil one wants to divide us because divided we fall into chaos. And chaos is not the kingdom of heaven, which is what God wants for us and for all the world. Divided we are pulled away from God and God's purpose. See, to carry our faith in the world is to seek the unity of spirit, the unity in the body, to build each other up and to build that kingdom one block at a time, one relationship at a time. Even with those who are different than we are. We can have those differences of opinion. We can argue about it all we want. We can sit there and say that we're different, but when we get to the bottom of it, what matters most is that we're together. It doesn't matter whether you dress to the nines or you come as you are to church. It doesn't matter whether you pull for Duke or Carolina or Wake or State or if you like tomato-based barbecue or vinegar-based or if you're a Democrat or Republican, a liberal or a conservative, a free market or socialized medicine, socially distanced with a mask, what matters, what matters is that we are God's children. And if we anchor that firmly in it, that we are in Christ together first and foremost, Christ together first and foremost, if we anchor our lives in that, that's where we make a difference. 
See, the differences are okay if and only if Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. The differences are okay if and only if that we seek a greater connection to our baptismal vows. If and only if we see each other as equal, not only in our eyes, but also in God's eyes. And that we lift each other up and we celebrate each other for who we are and whose we are. See, as followers of Christ, we must recognize that's who we are called to be. That we serve not a political party, not a friend group, not an individual agenda, but no, instead, that what we serve is that we serve the agenda of Christ in our world. Then and only then do we find a deeper love for each other. That which Christ wants for the entire world. Then and only then do we find a new freedom a new expression of God's kingdom that opens the world's eyes and brings us closer together. And God's grace shines through us like that church in Thessalonica that all the world sees who we are and what we're about. Howard Thurman used to open and close all of his sermons with the last words of Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, he talked about that very person, about his prayers or about his sermons, but think about it. He also believed in living his sermons out in the world. And so when we gather for worship, God speaks to us. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to God as we leave this place. When we read the scriptures in the morning and we pray to God, God speaks to us. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to God. When we walk out the door of our homes and into the world around us, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to God because God is present with us, showing us the difference that God wants us to make in the world. So my friends, my brothers and sisters, you who I love so dearly, you who is loved so dearly by each other and by God in heaven, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts, those things that we say and that we do when we walk away from this hour of worship, may they be acceptable in the sight of God who is our rock and our redeemer because all that way all the world will know that we are a people of faith who gather for worship but that we don't just leave worship here in the sanctuary but we take our worship out into the world with us. And worship is our work. Because our work worships God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.